Welcome to the Coach's Trail Podcast, where every coach has a story. Thanks for listening. My name is Nate Williams, and I'll be your host. On today's podcast, I'll be talking with a former two-time state champion in the state of Oregon. You can find more information about the Coach's Trail Podcast on my website, www.coachnatewilliams.com forward slash podcast, and on Twitter, at coach underscore nw. Lastly, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and share it with another coach that you know. Thanks for listening to the Coach's Trail podcast and welcome to episode 17. Today's special guest on the podcast has led his school to five state title appearances with two state championship. And he's also been recently known to dominate in chalk wars on Twitter. <laughs> Please welcome to the podcast from Gold Beach, Oregon, football coach and current athletic director, Kevin Swift. Coach, thanks for taking the time today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me and thanks for the, uh, the wonderful introduction. Uh, my players have made me uh, pretty well known. Uh, players win games, not coaches. So I've been blessed. I've been truly blessed. So exactly. Well, we're, we're excited to have you on. And uh, coach, uh, before we get started with the actual interview, we have the fast five and the fast five is just kind of a fun way to get to know you in a different way outside of, of football or coaching. So uh, we have five questions for you. And the first question you know, uh, knowing you through social media has, has been great and kind of also um, a little bit envious of how you are able to go out and fish. And uh, so the first question, first question I have for you is, where is your favorite place to fish? I'm actually in probably one of the best uh, fishing areas in the continental United States. Um, not only do we have the, the huge and scenic Rogue River, but we have the Pacific Ocean and several coastal streams. So I, I think during the summer, I, I prefer to be in the bay trolling with my buddies. Um, in the winter, um, I like to be upriver or on one of the creeks. And then whenever you can sneak out, we went out, we went out earlier this week and got a bunch of uh, rockfish and lingcod because, you know, when we moved up here 24 years ago, they didn't know what a fish taco was. <laughs> well, now now everybody knows what a fish taco is. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm primarily the rogue um, and that um, it's, it's a really good fishing river still. So I enjoy yeah. it. I mean, anytime you get out there on the fish and, and going fishing at, uh, I know you know it's just it's just peaceful it could be quiet and it's just it's just a, a way to kind of disconnect we have uh we have real good coaches meetings uh we in 2006 we played an opponent that was six hours away and uh we got home about five in the morning and instead of going to bed we just rolled out of the bus went home changed clothes hopped in the uh the boat and uh went fishing for about five hours that morning and had a pretty good uh, little coaches meeting debriefing, yeah. you know, you're sitting out there, you're trolling. If you have a whiteboard and a cup of coffee, I mean, you can, you can get a lot of work done. So yeah, it's not, I, I don't think fishing is any different than golfing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think because of the pace of the activity, there's a lot of room for um, learning and growing and, and meeting. So we, we use it. So it's a good time. What a great way I, uh, to debrief over some uh, fish fishing. And uh, like you said, you got a whiteboard marker. You guys can get a lot done. And uh, that's awesome. So the Rogue River, but uh, fishing in general. All right, Coach, right. second question. Like you stated, you moved to Oregon 24 years ago. So you've been there for 24 years. And uh, what would you say the best thing about Oregon is? All the, uh, all the outdoor activities. Um, yeah, I moved up uh, – at 38, I was still surfing pretty much two, three times a week. I enjoyed fishing, um, but there's great trails. There's great uh, mountain biking. It's just, it's really an outdoor state. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, I didn't know what to do with the rain when I got up here. Um, 
because it, it, it and if you live in a rainforest, there's a reason it's called a rainforest, but um, the rain doesn't stop anybody from doing anything. It's, it's built where the rain down there, you know, creates flash flooding and gullies. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a million creeks and rivers that all the water flows into and it, and you get a good set of rain gear and it, it really doesn't do anything. The kids will laugh. I, I think I'm the only coach in Oregon and we don't practice in the rain. We will not go out on the, I mean, we'll put on the pads and we'll go into one of our two big gyms and practice. But my kids, oh, you're a Californian. I'm going, it has nothing to do with California. And you, you can't recover from a pulled groin. You know, uh -huh. John Capaletti's career was ruined by a pulled groin. And, and two things. Number one, I'm not going to do your laundry all night because it'll be soaked. And two, I, I'm not going to take a chance uh, on small squads like small schools have of losing a kid to a groin. So, yeah, that's kind of – it's kind of our uh, our little I, – I guess it's my California habit. I'm not going out in the rain. There ain't no way. <laughs> yeah. So, with Oregon, you got all those outdoor, outdoor activities. And like you said, being a, such a small school, which is something we'll talk about, um, you know, you, you really can't afford to lose one kid that goes both ways who's also yeah. on every single special teams, you know. So, right. yeah. I understand. So uh, I kind of understand because uh, I, I opened up uh, a new high school before and we, we started off with like four kids in the first day and it was like, okay. So yeah, I get it. Um, third question I have for you, coach is again, you, uh, you know, so Southern California roots, uh, but what is one thing that you might miss about Southern California besides the traffic? <laughs> um, I miss the warm water. When I do get a chance to surf, it's friggin' cold. And I've never been a big fan of wetsuits. I, I got a great wetsuit. Uh, the, the previous owners of Killer Dana, who I grew up with, lined me up with a custom wetsuit when I came up here. But um, I miss the warm water. I miss my lifelong friends. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was born and raised in the San Juan Dana Point area, and I have lifelong friends and coaches that I, I certainly miss. And, and I miss the big-time prep football. I mean, you know, the Frosty at, at PLU years ago said, make wherever you're at the big-time. And we've done that. We really have. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I grew up, I played in the Angeles League, Trinity League. Um, I, Orange County has always been a hotbed for a, a great caliber of football. Um, and I miss that to a certain degree. I mean, I've found ways to, to take care of those, but yeah, I, I don't know. There's something really um, special and unique about being a one horse town and, uh, and everybody, it is, it's a really small school and, and I've, this is my 35th year and uh, this is the hardest place I've ever coached wow. uh, because of their isolation I mean, if the San Diego Chargers or L.A. Chargers were to come to town, they would expect me to beat them by two touchdowns. Um, <laughs> they uh, Small towns uh, love their football uh, unbelievably. Uh, we, we have bigger crowds than some schools I know from Southern California. It's, it's big time. Um, but they're really unrealistic. I mean, really, <laughs> really, really, really unrealistic. So, uh, so state state or bust each year, no matter no matter yeah. if you have fifteen kids or or seventy five, you know. Yep. All right, hey coach, uh, I appreciate that one. So uh, next question I have is, uh, you know, kind of a big thing on social media, and I know you have a good social media presence, and there's some things that uh, are out there, but uh, in general, this doesn't really have to do with social media. But uh, what would be your favorite thing to grill or cook? I'm still a Southern, Cal Southern California native. I'm really proud of that fact. It's a, I think it's a great place to be from. Um, I still like my tri-tip, smoked yeah. on red oak. Um, and I really like uh, salmon on a cedar plank. Uh, yeah. We call it candy salmon. Uh, we put garlic and onions and then smother it in brown sugar and put it on a, uh, a cedar plank and smoke it and that kind of can but I, you know um you know i like food um but but probably tri-tip and salmon still uh the the most 
Um, yeah, for sure. Our, our little uh, surf and turf is what we call it up here. Yeah, exactly. My wife works at a little uh, Mexican restaurant and she, yeah, surf and turf, very familiar. So, so some tri-tip and some candy salmon, huh? Okay. Yeah. All right. Last question for the Fast Five is just kind of a personal question is, uh, what's one goal that you have for 2020? Um, you know, this make it to make it the 2021. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've stepped away from coaching after, uh, I don't know, 34, 35 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I'm done coaching. Uh, but I'm, uh, I, I'm done at Gold Beach. Um, and so I think, um, what I would like to do this year is one, uh, do everything I can to make sure that my school and the other schools in Oregon have an opportunity to play in the fall. Right. If it's safe um, and safe is a relative term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I would like to, uh, to go visit some friends and, and, and I, I can't sit in the stands cause just too many experts up there. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I see myself, traveling over to Eastern Oregon and, and hanging out and watching the Hepner game. I see me going over to Medford and watching South Medford play Bill Singler who played at Stanford with my high school quarterback, Turk Schoner. Um, our two families are very, very, we didn't find this out till we got up here, but our two families are very intertwined. Bill's the offensive coordinator at Stanford and Turk's offensive coordinator at Stanford played for my dad in high school and actually lived with us yeah. his senior year. So the Singlers um, and the Swifts are like family. I have two daughters and they kind of live their life through my daughters and I kind of get to live my life through their two sons who uh, Mitch is the running back coach at Duke right now. And Jack is the uh, quarterback coach at Central Washington. Um, I, I, you know, it's been, um, I graduated from Servite in 1978, um, and I got a chance in 2012 to go watch the modern day Servite game because I was being inducted into the Hall of Fame, but I, I'd kind of like to get down and see a Servite game. I, you know, I, I've struck up a pretty good relationship with, uh, Coach Ortiz. You know, I grew up, I, I was supposed to go to San Clemente High School and play for Alley. Um, but instead went to Servite. So it just kind of get out and, and see people, you know, Bruce at, at modern day was a huge, um, helping getting the culture and the program the way I wanted up here. Yeah. Um, I, I think a chance to travel and, 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 and at the same and keep learning and, and see, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I, I mean, I don't think my wife is cause. <laughs> you know, instead of being home on Friday night, I'm going to be traveling and going and seeing things. But, you know, and this is this is a good time. You know, I'm, I just turned 61 last week. It's a good time to go visit and try to stay current on the game and, and do some things and, and look at some possibilities. Um, I know that I was looking at, at going some places and possibly being an assistant this year and Mm-hmm. Sending the money back to my lovely bride because we're not leaving Gold Beach. I mean, we right. got a house in the woods with elk and deer in our backyard. We're not leaving. Um, but uh, as you know, there's a teaching shortage in most of the country. So you can retire in Oregon and double dip. I can oh, retire, really? get my retirement and keep working. Uh, I could. And at 61 and, and having done the head coaching for a while, I, I'm perfectly okay with being an assistant again and having fun and, and coaching ball. And I think one of the things I miss about Southern California and big-time football, you know, a lot of us go into coaching because of the camaraderie, hanging out with guys, all with similar interests, similar hobbies, and that camaraderie. You don't have that so much in small schools. You might have mm-hmm. one guy who's into it as much as you are, but most of your assistants are good guys, but they're not, they're not students of the game mm-hmm. like, uh, like in the big areas. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're good guys, and, and, some yeah. of, and, and a couple of them turn into absolutely fantastic coaches, and they don't give themselves enough credit. But, 
you know, the fact is you and I went into teaching so we could coach. Right. Exactly. Um, there's a vast majority of people who went into teaching to teach and I ah, do I want to coach. And, and I think one of the things that I had to, to do was sell them on the fact that yes, we're going to coach. Yes. We're going to win. Um, yes. We're going to put in the time. Um, but I'm not going to waste your time. We don't, we don't meet Saturday and Sunday up here. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the fact that, and I'll, I'll probably get in trouble from my buddies down there. I think meeting all day Saturday and meeting all day Sunday is a friggin' giant waste of time. We yeah. all run around talking about how we're such John Wooden fans and John Wooden didn't spend any time scouting. You know, he, he said, Hey, we're going to do what we do. It's fundamentally sound and we're okay. And then, you know, the other thing, I, I remember sitting around Santa Margarita and we had a great staff. Harding was the head coach. Hitchens was the DC. I was the coordinator O'Hare. I mean, it was a friggin' really good staff and we worked, but two thirds of the time you were sitting around bullshitting <laughs> and, and, you know, I, no offense. And I like those guys, but uh -huh. you know, I married my wife for a reason. I'm going to go home and bullshit with her. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, we don't meet at all on Saturday because we really enjoy college football and yeah. we get home so late from our trips and uh, everybody goes to church on Sunday, but me, my wife goes for me and mm -hmm. make sure she's praying. Um, and I get in with my uh, daughters and we break down the stats and do the stats to where when my captains come in at noon to start doing laundry and my coaching staff comes in at one, we're not going to waste time getting things set up. We can spend the next two or three hours hammering out a scouting report, looking at last night's film. Right. And, 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 you know, people say, well, your offense is simple. Well, it looks simple, but it's not because you got to execute it. Uh -huh. um, but, uh, you know, we have a good time. It, it's, it's, but yeah, I want to travel. I want to see, no, I mean, I'll, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll appear in my gold beach jacket and hat standing on the sidelines of San Clemente watching you guys. <laughs> they, um, I, you know, you guys are in the same hills as uh, San yeah, Luis Dana Hills. And, yeah, we got Mission. We have Tesoro. We have yeah, uh, High Mission, School Sandy. Mission would be a good game for me to get down to. I guess yeah, hope, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, you guys will be fine. I mean yeah. – Jamie and, and, well, even clear back to Allie. I mean, San Clemente's always held its own as, as a football school, athletic school. Um, yeah, I don't, we, I, I don't think they crazy. have anything to be ashamed of. So, All right, Coach. Well, uh, it would be an honor if you, you uh, came to one of our games. And if you do, just, uh, you know, direct message me because, uh, you know, the people at the gate are pretty serious about who they let in or who they oh, don't. Oh, God, yes. Oh God, yes. <laughs> so, oh God, yes. That's another thing, man. That they you got to make every single penny you can. Yeah, exactly. All right, coach. Hey, that completes the the fast five, and I appreciate uh, getting to know you in, in a different way. So we're gonna go ahead and get started with um, some of the good stuff that 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 um, it's already been good, but even more better stuff. So the first real uh, football question I have is you've talked about it a little bit, but. You know, you're you're the athletic director at, at Gold Beach High School. What what's been going on with Oregon? What have you been hearing as far as the school closures and uh, athletics? And is there going to be a summer well, program? I, don't, I think I don't think we're any different than any other state on the West Coast. We're all yeah. run by our departments of education and the governor. Right. And as long as the governor and the Department of Ed says schools aren't open, um, there there's no activity. Um, we, we've kind of talked briefly. I have some connections, uh, some administrators who are close to the governor and the state superintendent. We're looking at possibly opening up our facilities in July. Yeah. If we can continue the trend, uh, the, you know, it's like I tell my wife, it's a great time to live in the woods with nobody else. In, in Curry County, the county we live in, we've had five Wow. Confirmed cases. That's nothing. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, uh, and I know it's hit Orange County, you know, pretty hard, but you know, you, you've got, 
what, a hundred and some odd deaths, but you got 1.29 million people. Yeah. And it's tragic. And and I I certainly don't want to minimize Mm -hmm. the fact, and I don't, and I, and I, I do understand a little bit of the science on how fast it spreads and, and all those things. I, I, like I said earlier, you have to do so much research. You have to do so much reading. You have to do so much investigating to, to think that you found somewhere that you have a grip on what the actual truth is. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I know that we're, and I'm, this isn't to bag on CIF. I, right. I think CIF does a great job in a state that's, you know, the big has more high schools than any state in the union. Um, mm-hmm. But in Oregon, uh, the coaches association and the ADs association and OSAA, we regularly meet, we, we have a voice at the table. I think much more of a voice than coaches in California do. I think as ADs, we have a voice at the table. Um, having a voice doesn't mean we get our way right having a voice means that we're we're there we're part of the the decision making process i know that i have a league ad meeting on the 1st i know there's some other meetings with osa after that the rumor mm-hmm. it, it is a great time is we're looking at that that after 4th of july opening up does that mean fall sports nobody knows that yet i think one of the things that i like unlike the Cal state system mm-hmm. is we're going to wait and see what numbers look like and try to wait as long as we can before we make a decision, not make a decision in May. Yeah. That affects the fall. Um, and I, and Cal state's a great system and I certainly understand that. I don't think it was a wise decision. And, and if I had a young, if, if my daughter, was going to Cal State Long Beach or Cal State Fullerton, I would take her, tell her to take a year off. We're, we're not going to pay full tuition. Exactly. We take online classes. And, uh-huh. you know, and, then the, and then you hear all this, well, they're going to do away with sports because of budget cuts. Well, that's suicide. Yep. You know, if, if, if El Segundo School District, which is the one I'm hearing about, is talking about dropping football and sports because of this, People in El Segundo will move their families and move their kids to somewhere else that are playing sports yep. and that ADM goes with them. Mm-hmm. Um, my concern is, you know, football has been under attack for about 10 years, not justifiably anything that represents masculinities under attack. Uh-huh. Um, I think we want a gender free society. Um, I'm not sure how that works, but. Um, my fear is the, the anti-football, anti-injury uh, together with the pandemic will speed the process of moving football off campus to club teams, which I think is, is really, really, really dangerous. Every exchange student I've ever had who's come to the United States has said the one thing the United States has over schools in Europe is we offer athletics as part of the school for everybody. If you're in, if you're in Europe, yeah, uh, you got to be rich to play or you got to have someone to scholarships you because you're a gifted athlete. And, and we, as we know in America, we think sports are an important aspect of our kids overall learning and growth and education. And so we do that, but mm-hmm. you know, as as pennies and dollars get harder to stretch, you will have school boards and administrators make foolish, short-sighted decisions yeah. um, that will cost them dearly. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I know that the Western states are trying to work together. You know, Oregon can't play football unless California's playing football because Gold Beach, Brookings, Medford are all border towns, yep. and, and we're going to play. We don't, not this year, but, you know, South Medford is going to play a California opponent. Brookings is going to play a California opponent. Yeah. So, you know, those things come into consideration. So, yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't, I, I think I personally like the fact 
that nobody's made a decision overall yet. There's been some rebels, you know, El Segundo saying, you know, we're not going to do it and, and all. And I don't know what's motivating them to do that, but just be careful, you know, don't, don't, don't be short-sighted and end up costing you in the long run. So. Exactly. And that, that was a, a big hit, like you said, when the Cal State University Systems announced that, you know, hey, no, no fall in-person classes, you know, like 99% of them, I think, are like that. And uh, um, just being patient is kind of a, is, is hard. And hopefully that these, you know, big governing boards, the Board of Education, you know, they'll, and the school districts will, um, you know, be patient and, and uh, you know, just make a good decision. And, uh, yeah, so it's a tough situation. But like you said, everyone's trying to, you know, just be patient and make the best of it. It's, but, a, new, it's a new world, man. Yeah. I mean, none of us um, – you know, if you would have told me in September we were going to be dealing with this, you know, I, I would have said you're crazy, but we mm -hmm. are. Um, and and we can, you know, complain and, and bitch and moan and talk about not getting factual news and stuff. But we, you got to, you got to, you know, we, we got to deal with the adversity the same way we tell our kids to deal with the adversity. We got to rise to the occasion and, and work our way through it. So. Exactly. So coach, uh, moving on to kind of like your, your past and more so your upbringing, um, kind of taking a step back now is, is, uh, you've talked about kind of where you've been and, and who you've coached with, but you know, how did you really get involved coaching? Cause as you said, you became a teacher to be a coach, but how'd you get involved coaching? It's in uh, my DNA. Yeah. Um, my father was a educator and coach for 52 years. Um, he didn't coach all 52 years. He took a break when I went to high school so he can enjoy me. But, um, you know, I'm a third generation coach, teacher. Um, it's kind of in my DNA. It's a calling. Um, yeah. You know, we all complain we don't make enough money, but none of us want to do anything else. You know, <laughs> the number yeah. one trend you see on Twitter is, I miss seeing my kids. I miss those relationships. I miss the things that we all get into coaching. You know, we all get into coaching to win and and bang our chest and prove our egos. And I think as we get older and, and wiser, we find out that coaching is really about establishing relationships and helping young people grow to be successful and prosperous uh, adults. Um, and I think if we do that, the wins take care of themselves. But, mm -hmm. you know, we all start off because we, I mean, let, let's, let's be honest. We all go into coaching. We all go because our egos, we want to compete. We want to prove that we're good. We want to prove that we can beat people and get kids to do what we want and, and all those things. And, and that's what a 23, 24-year-old coach sounds like. You know, I'm at the other end. I'm 61. I can, I can look back and – and, and, you know, we, we don't really live much through our successes. We, we definitely live through our failures. Um, yeah. And, and you, you just become older and wiser. So, but my dad's probably my biggest influence. A guy named Ray Soleri, who was a longtime coach at South Pasadena, where my dad was an assistant when he first got it started. And, Ray's a legendary coach in, uh, in California, and he had a huge uh, influence. I think one of the reasons I'm older school in my style and, and stuff is because of the influence of, you know, Slurry played for Pappy Waldorf at, at Cal when Cal was going to the Rose Bowls, and Slurry was an All-American, and, and – uh, so, you know, you're nine, 10 years old and there's coaches meetings and 16 millimeters that you're watching and you, you fall in love with that. And then, um, and then, you know, two coaches at Servite that had a huge impact on my life, Larry Toner, who was the freshman coach and I was there, who really um, helped strengthen the value that my dad gave me that um, I was going to grow up to be an athlete, not a jock. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge difference between an athlete and a jock. And uh, I think Larry, who speaks seven languages, 
um, is an excellent choir director. Um, I think when I went to Servite, it was the right time uh, to be a Renaissance man, to be um, knowledgeable in a lot of things and not be dominated. And Larry really, really, really reinforced that. And then my varsity head coach was a guy named Ken Visser, um, who had a marvelous career at Servite and a marvelous collegiate coaching career. Um, his demeanor, his calmness, his um, sideline uh, presence is something, you know, people laugh, they go, you don't coach anything like your father. I'm like, well, wait a minute. He doesn't coach anything like me. Um, uh, and my dad and I've talked about the huge differences in, in the way I coach versus the way he coaches. Um, but uh, so Ken Visser, and then finally, um, the very first head coach I worked for at uh, Claremont College is a guy named John Zenda, uh, who was just, uh, you know, right time. You know, I'm an arrogant 24-year-old, know-it-all, friggin' uh -huh. secondary coach. Um, and, and he has to deal with me. Um, and he did a marvelous job. I mean, he, he did, he, he, um, you know, like every 24 year old, 25 year old coach, we were good coaches, but we're extremely rough around the edges. And we think our opinion is better than anybody else's. And, and, uh, John had the mannerisms and the ability to sit me down and, and buff some of those rough edges off and, and give me some guiding principle. You know, he, he said, look, cause it, it was a huge debate over the way we wanted to play cover two. <laughs> and, uh, right. and I was pretty stubborn and he finally sat me down in the coach's locker room. Everybody had gone and I was kind of interchanging. He said, he said, Hey, we need to talk. And I was like, Oh shit, I'm getting fired already. Um, and he goes, look, he says, I love your passion. You know, the game, I, I know your father has taught, you know, you know, the game, it's my team. You work for me mm -hmm. and your job is to do the things that we talk about coaching and to learn everything you can from me, good and bad. And everyone else that you work for in the future, you learn the good and the bad. And then he says, someday when you're a head coach, you can go through all those files and you can do what you think is good and stay away from the things that you think are bad. Right. Um, and I, I think that was good advice for a young, aggressive, rough around the edges uh, coach. It was, it was what I needed. Um, and it took me, it took me and it took John some patience and time and, to get there. And, and I, and I got there, you know, I, I was, you know, coaching's changed so much, you know, you, you come now, you coach three or four years and, and you're applying for head coaching jobs. Yeah. yeah I, exactly. did, I did it. I coached for 15, no, for, I coached for 12 years before I thought I was even good enough to be considered as a head coaching candidate. Right. Um, it, it's they see the Sean McVay and everyone. It, it's just the Lincoln Riley. It's, the younger college coaches, and it's just well, – totally and, and, and those guys have paid their dues. I yeah. mean, they do it. But, I mean, I, I look at some of the, the kids, and they're kids. Yeah. They get hired at the high school level, and, and there's a whole set of reasons that things are being made the way they are. But they're not ready. And, it's, and it doesn't mean they're not ready in terms of knowing football. Mm -hmm. They're not ready in terms of player relationships. They're not ready in terms of uh, developing a culture. They're not ready in how to deal with parents. They're not ready to, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, you learn this when, when you become a head coach. There's so much more to the game than X's and O's. I mean, mm -hmm. you get on Twitter and, and the X's and O's go on forever. Yeah, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's one pin mark away from having the play of all plays. And I think as you get older, um, you discover that plays don't win games, your culture and your relationships win games. So those are my mentors. Those are uh, the things they taught me.
Wow. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you talk about that about culture and relationships because uh, you know, as I'm as I would consider myself a student of the game for you know always trying to learn, lifelong learn like you and um culture and relationships is definitely something that I think we can control and we have a lot of impact on. And uh, I'm excited about that because I don't consider myself to be the smartest football coach um, in any room, really. So uh, that's good for me. The older right, I get, the, le- the older I get, the less I know. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. So, hey, uh, coach, you did graduate from Servite, ninth class of 1978. Is that right? Yep. All right. So, uh, what was your experience like? You talked about Coach Visser and and Coach Toner. Well, my first experience was that you could actually leave from Camino Las Ramblas and get to Servite in 40 minutes. Wow. Those days are gone. Yeah, that's a good hour, 10 minutes right now. Oh, yeah. It might take an hour just to get to the El Toro. Why? (laughs) Um, I think it was – I think um, nothing against San Clemente. Mm -hmm. Um, I was an underachieving academic, underachieving athletic – slightly juvenile delinquent um, type kid. I went to Marco Forrester when Marco Forrester was split session. So we were out of school at noon. Uh, Coach McElroy and Coach Crapo at Saddleback, we got done with uh, flag football practice at Forrester by 1 o'clock, and and I was on the beach surfing, burning trash can fires and and doing the things that I I did and – and my dad at the time was an administrator at in the Orange County Juvenile, Juvenile Authority schools and kept saying, hey, I got a buddy or is it at school? I got a buddy or is it in Juvenile Hall? And I'm like, wow, too bad. I, you know, I'm smarter than them. I'm not getting caught. You know, I was a, a C student. I was a good athlete. I wasn't a, and I never was a great athlete. I was mm-hmm. one of those kids who just worked hard at it. Um, and uh, going to San Clemente or Dana Hills was definitely an option. But I, if I had gone to San Clemente and Dana Hills, I don't think I would have grown into the person. Look, I love surfing. I mean, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, but I didn't cut any classes at Servite to go surfing. If I'd gone to Dana Hills or San Clemente, right. I'm not sure I would have made all my classes. Um <laughs> And, 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 I, and I'm still a huge fan of surfing and the culture. I'm reading a great book uh, right now that's making me kind of flashback to growing up uh, when I did. So, uh, number one, I think Servite helped me grow into the young man that I am. Um, you also learned really quickly how to deal with adversity. Yeah. Um, you had to make grades. Um, if you got an F, there was no summer school. You had to transfer out to another school. Um, you had to compete every day in practice. Uh, it was back in the 70s when football practice was much more uh, Marine Corps, military, barbaric, uh, taking yeah. young boys and turning them into to men. Um, I don't think football is that game anymore. And I think the fact that we're missing – the fact that kids can't do two-a-days is right. just utterly ridiculous. Uh, first of all, nobody did does two-a-days the way they did it back in the 70s. No, no one's giving kids salt pills because they lost. Um, but in, effort, in an effort to make the game safer, we've made the game softer. And I know there's a whole lot of people out there that'll disagree with me. And, 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 and we live in America and you're welcome to disagree with me. Right. I, I just see um, a certain degree of softness that has creeped into our sport. Um, so um, I dealt with adversity. In fact, my junior year, I wasn't starting. And, uh, and I remember sitting at the kitchen table during the summer and talking to my dad about transferring to San Clemente. He goes, yeah, you can transfer to San Clemente. Yeah, you'll you'll do great there. You'll be fine and right. and all that, but you'll be a quitter. Mm-hmm. And I went, well, I'm not a quitter. I made it through the season. I'm looking at my options. He goes, you can spin it any way you want, kid. You'll be quitting. And uh, 
I ended up being a part-time starter my junior year and a full-time starter my senior year, which is typical at those big Catholic schools. I mean, mm-hmm. seniority, you know, and, and, and all that. And um, got a chance to play on a great high school baseball team, uh, probably one of the best in Southern California history, and, and uh, graduated. And, and then wish I would have kept more in touch with my alma mater. But, it, you know, when you go into teaching and coaching, you can't go to homecomings. Right. You can't go to class reunions because that's in the, you know, everybody up here says, how come you don't hunt? Well, one, give the, the elk a rifle and then it's a sport. Um, but hunting was always in the middle of football season. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so I, I never, and I, and don't get me wrong, everybody up here hunts and I, and I love the elk. I mean, bring me the backstrap, but, I've never been a hunter. I mean, it's, it just didn't, you know, it's like my wife says, you can only have so many hobbies. So my hobbies are fishing, surfing and golf. So there you go. (laughs) All right, coach. So, um, you know, served by high school in the seventies, those double days, you're right. And we didn't do double days. We had four practices in a day. We used to have camp week and we would (laughs) practice four times a day. I, I think um, and, that and the coaches good. were smart. They, I mean, they weren't all in pads, and we weren't all right. I mean, this this image of what football in the seventies and eighties like, and how it was a danger. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be worried about concussions, but the reality of it, if concussions was that big an issue, somebody would tickle, be tickling my ass to shit, and I'd be drooling in a drool bucket right now. <laughs> and I'm not right. You know, and, we got a whole. You know, we got a whole. We have millions and millions of young men, old men that played football in the 70s and 80s who were perfectly fine. Right, exactly. Uh, and you bring it up kind of going around that CT, you know, kind of factor of what's going on. But I think what those double days or, you know, four days that you guys had was uh, relationships and a culture and the brotherhood and how a you tradition. It's a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting under the trees at Servite, just dying after the morning practice and being with your buddies and you're all dying and you're like, how are you going to make it through the second one? And, and you do it. And, you know, our, when I got here in 97, we went two a days and our morning practices started at eight and they were in shorts, shirts and helmets. And it was basically conditioning and special teams and then an hour and a half of weightlifting. We never put on the pads till the afternoon, and we certainly, and we certainly didn't hit every day. If you're at a school where you only have 35 kids on your roster, you can't hit every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the things they learned from my dad is keep them hungry. You know, once kids learn and like to hit, they want to hit every day, and right. that's not healthy. And so <laughs> you, you got to keep it. You know, there's that there's that fine line of you want them aggressive, you want them to hit, but you want to keep them hungry. Right. Um, so I, I I'm upset that we don't have two a days, not because we didn't need to change the way we did it, but I've talked to young men who play the game now, and they wish they had some of those traditions and things that older players had and talk about, as long as they're safe. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not sure running three miles on a full stage smog alert in full pads uh, before practice at Servite is what you should be doing anymore. <laughs> I, I know why we did it. It made me a tougher, better human being, but there's too many lawyers in the world now to do that. You'll never That's get sure. away with it, man. Larry H. Parker will be breathing down your neck. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, hey, Coach, uh, one of the things I want to talk about with you today is uh, your current position. You know, you're athletic director at Gold Beach, but you, you, you're really known, you know, not just as a football coach, but so much more. Uh, but what was – what were some of the factors in, you know, kind of stepping away as the head football coach – um, at Gold Beach High School. So what were, what's kind of going on? What, what, what were the factors? I know that in the past you guys have had, you know, low, atten- or low participation, specifically last year. But, 
Um, what, what, if you can kind of give us some insight to that and kind of, uh, you're going to, a couple things. Um, and I think it's important for young coaches to hear this. You're only going to be a successful at building a program. If your administration feels having that program be successful is important. The administration had hired me and was with me during those great years from 2003 to 2013 have retired and gone and they've been replaced with really good administrators. I got no problem with them, but having a good football program, having good athletics is not a priority anymore to them. Um, They took away at one time we ran the best team camp on the West coast, if not the United States. Yeah, Uh And it was full contact uh, California went to a sissy rule, um, yeah. <laughs> and my administration chose to shut down the camp to do a tsunami retrofit, um, and and it kind of you know the the, the community had a great thing going, took it for granted, didn't uh, nurture it and take care of it. The administration quit nurturing, and we lost our fundraising. I mean, we used to we used to go into September with twenty to twenty five thousand dollars for football. It was exciting because the kids had a camp; they got a chance to go against big schools and compete and do well. Yeah. I mean, Gold Beach High School, one hundred thirty five kids lining up against California High School with Tony Sanchez as their coach, and we play to a draw. Um, <laughs> wow! Well, it was only twenty minutes. We can play with anybody for twenty minutes. Um, but, uh, and then, and then I got out of it in 2013 for some health reasons. The coach I hired did a good job, but he was off campus and we all know the issues with that. And my culture started to go away. Um, he stepped down because he needed to economically. The administration begged me to take it back for fear that if I didn't take it back, we'd lose it. I took it back and we lost it anyways, not because of anything I did. The kids will tell you, God, we love Coach Swift. God, we can't wait, you know. Um, But once that magic is gone, it's really difficult to recapture it. And and I don't don't have a problem losing games. You know, we were – it was two years ago we were playing St. Mary's in Medford in this official – talking to me before the game he goes can I ask you a question and I'm like fire away mm-hmm. and he goes why are you doing this I go what do you mean he goes well you built one of the best small school programs ever in Oregon history you were amazing I, I did your games he said you, you guys were incredible and he says and now you're like shit <laughs> and I'm like wow. well I'm a coach uh-huh. you know and coaches coach I go the reality of it is the, the Bruce Rollinsons, the Bob Lattisere, who are great coaches and great people, those are anomalies. They, they really are. Um, most coaches who do 30-plus years like me are going to be 50 to 70 games above 500 or 50 to 70 games below 500, uh-huh. just the way it is. Um, am I a great coach? I'm as great as a player as I am I'm coaching. Um, And then I think the final decision for me to remove myself as a coach was the school board's decision to drop down to eight man. And I think dropping down to eight man was a great decision. I don't feel like learning a new game at 61. Yeah. Uh, um, The bus trips are even longer. Um, I, I think eight man is a really good game. It's based on speed and a lot of things, but it's 61. I've never coached it. I don't know anything about it. And, and I don't, and I don't want to learn it. And then finally, the other thing is when I, when I got here in 97, every time we lost, it was my fault. And that's really the way it should be. And they hated me when I got here. Yeah. First of all, I was a Californian. There's a strike one. Um, <laughs> But the last two years that we've been losing, the ragging on the kids, the blaming of the kids, the, the, the ugliness that can happen in small towns when you lose, the ugliness used to be sh- 
expressed towards me. I didn't like it. I didn't like finding a dead raccoon in my mailbox and stuff like that. But that goes with the territory. Um, I thought that everybody needed a fresh start. I think the kids don't need the legend of Coach Swift coaching them. Uh, I think that we have to move on. And moving on means that we go out and find the best eight-man coach we have. And these kids have a new start and a new opportunity right. to, create, to create something unique for them and, and what the school is now. It wasn't an easy decision for me. I love the game. I want to go. I told you earlier, I, I don't think I'm done coaching. Um, but I, I think the, the, the biggest reason I stepped out, it's what's best for the kids. Right. Okay. Best for kids. Yeah, that's a tough decision. And like you said, a lot of factors that go into it. And uh, that's just tough. So I'll be, I'll be looking forward to seeing what you're doing and supporting you coach any way I can. But um, again, you're going to be able to kind of travel, see some friends, do what you kind of want to do. Oh, and- coach, trust me, I got guys. Hey, can you look at this film? Tell me what you think. Hey, can you look <laughs> at this? Tell me what you think. Hey, when you know, I, I, I don't I'm get called. <laughs> I don't get called much on the passing game stuff. But if people want to run the ball or play good defense, they, uh, I'll get calls. Okay, you know, I'm looking. I, 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 I hear you, coach. I hear you there. <laughs> so, uh, so coach, when you took over, going back now to like to the start of Gold Beach, uh, you know, first, how did you get connected to Gold Beach? Did you just want to move out there and kind of slow down and retire out there? I'm a. I was uh, 38 years old. Um, I was coaching, I was a defensive coordinator at Warren High School in Downey. I was hopping on the train in San Juan, taking the train every day to Norwalk, pedaling my mountain bike like crazy uh, over to Downey and then pedaling back. Um, Had applied, you know, the, the reality of this, look, I was born and raised in Orange County, but I'm not an Orange County guy. Okay. There, there's nothing flashy uh, about me. I, I'm probably much more of a, a – um, I, I know this is hard to believe, but at one time Sam Juan uh, was all orange groves and kettle ranchers. <laughs> you know, I grew up kind of a country kid, hardworking. Uh, you know, the, the word grinder is way too used too often. But I was, I was a blue-collar kid, not much flash. Um, who came from a, a, a teaching family. Um, I swore too much. Um, I was too old school. And so I would always, I, I remember interviewing at Huntington Beach High for the head job and I nailed it. I'm freaking, I went home to my wife and said, well, looks like we're going to be an oiler. Um, and I didn't get the job, not because I didn't interview well. Well, you don't have any head coaching experience. We're going to hire this guy that's a head coach has had coaching experience. And I'm thinking, yeah, the only head coaching experience he has is losing. Yeah. Um, but, I, but looking back, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm, I love being from Orange County. I love being a, a surfer. I'm really proud of my roots, but in the, in the nineties, I wasn't what Orange County schools were looking for. And it became real obvious. Um, a couple things were happening in the 90s. They wanted more walk-ons because then administrators didn't have to get tied to a teacher and a coach. They're a lot easier to get rid of when parents rear their ugly heads. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I'm a, I, in fact, you know, I, I talk to Bruce about this all the time. You know, Bruce is about as old school and out of his league now, but he's very much insulated at modern day. Yeah. He's got that tradition. The alumni protect him. But if Bruce was applying for a job in Orange County today, he probably wouldn't get it. He's too gruff. He's too old. You know, he's too, <laughs> yeah. he's too Bo Schimbeckler, um, you know, Woody Hayes-like. Um, so it – in 97, Bigger, Faster, Stronger had a website. They had job sites. And, and I, you know, I just had my first daughter and my wife 
you know, worked seven miles from where we lived and it took her 40 minutes to get there. And I was frustrated and, and I didn't want to live in a condo the rest of my life. And I didn't want right. to live away from the coast. So we started looking and, you know, Gold Beach and, and the principal was from La Cañada, San Diego State graduate. Mm-hmm. And they flew me up and they basically sold me a friggin' line of shit. Um, but you fell in love with the place. I mean, you came up here, the sheer beauty, a football stadium right on the field. Um, it was gorgeous. It was small. It was rural. And, and, and you could buy a, a home in the woods on an acre and a half for 122. Um, you can't even buy an outhouse in no. South Orange County for 122. Um, and so I came up and interviewed and my wife about that time says, get us out of this craziness. And, uh, we moved up here and, and from 97 to 2003, God, they hated me. They just friggin' hated me. Um, <laughs> because I wanted to change the culture. You know, they thought, they thought they were a football school and they were from September till November when they were eliminated from the playoffs. And, and I'm like, you know, I didn't move my family 900 miles to every now and then win league and every now and then have a, well, you know, you got to cycle cycles. I got bullshit cycles. Yeah. You know, you got to change the culture. You got to change what you do. And, and they fought, I mean, there was a petition every year to get rid of me. They egged my house and they were terrible because they couldn't even reach the walls. I'm like, no wonder we can't win. You can't even <laughs> throw an egg. Um, you know, I had a dead raccoon in my mailbox. Um, and finally in 2003, I knew I had a good team, but I got all the parents together. I said, hey, let's try something this year. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I go, you know, because most of them have played – at Gold Beach. Most of them were loyal to the old coach in the 70s that were good. And I said, just shut up. I go, if we don't win this year and you do what I ask, I'll leave. No problem, I'll leave. I go, but when I tell Johnny to take a step this way and carry the ball this way, at the dinner table, don't say Coach Swift's a dumbass and do it that way. You're not giving me a chance. Do everything that I ask. And if we're not successful, I'll leave. Well, they did. You know, all the seniors went with me to Southern California to work out with Modern Day. Um, They started lifting three days a week during the summer. We lifted Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We attended our own football camp for two weeks in pads. And we, we went all the way to the state finals in 2004. And whoa, God, and it's like, ooh, a magic. Um, and that, that, and thank God, and, and I think every young coach needs to know this, you may have the idea on what it needs to happen culture-wise, but until you can sell it to the kids, it's lost. And in 2003, I had a group of kids that said, hey, why don't we try listening and doing what Coach Swift says and see where it leads us. Well, it, 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 it's, it's like I tell everybody, the more you invest, yeah, the more you can withdraw. Um, and so we started investing time. You know, my kids show up, even the last two years when we weren't any good, our kids show up at 6.30 every morning in a weight lift. Um, they get a grade for it, but they, they show up in a weight lift so they can get bigger, faster, stronger, and Give us a chance at, at winning. We haven't done a real good job with that the last two years um, for, for a variety of reasons. I mean, we're gradually becoming a retirement community for California expatriates. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, you know, changing the culture – you know, you asked how I got up here. They, they, they told me they had a rich football tradition, which they didn't. The only tradition they had was the same schools kicking their ass every year. Um, like most small towns, they were living 
through one year. In 1978, they tied for the state title and and they kept living, you know, it's like living in the past, living, and I'm like, well, what have you done lately? Right. Um, but when we got the culture turned and, and it, you know, it took six years to get it turned, um, we became friggin' unbelievable. You know, people say all the time, what's harder, building a monster or feeding the monster? Building a monster is tougher. Feeding the monster is only tough on the head coach. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it became, I mean, we became a machine from 2003 to 2013. We dominated. I mean, it, it was scary. And it, and it wasn't fancy football. I mean, we weren't winging the ball around 30 times a game. We looked like Nebraska or De La Salle during yeah. the heyday. And we just hammered people. Um, and the only emotional casualty to all of it was me, you know. Um, and, and it operated, you know. It's kind of funny. My eldest daughter, who's probably knows more football than any young lady I've ever met in my life, says, you know, if you didn't step down in 2013, it might still be going the way you want it to. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I go, but if I didn't step down in 2013, dad was going to have a stroke. Um, and she laughs. She goes, die a legend. And I'm like, no, we're not going to die a legend. <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to be here for your younger sister. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have a marriage that I love. Uh, I want to, you know, someday, hopefully you'll give me grandchildren. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. So, um, it was a great move for my family and we don't have to lock our doors. Um, we're, we're well established in the community. I mean, I, I, we, the kids, my coaches did things that should have never happened here. Uh, <laughs> there is absolutely no, in, in, in a lot of small towns in America, there's no respect for authority. Um, it's still the Wild West, very conservative, very red Republican. And we don't need no stake and sheriff. You can't tell us what to do. This is America, freedom and all that. And all those things are true. But to become a good football program, you have to respect authority. You have to do what you're told. Right. You have to follow with rules and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's really something that's not embraced in our culture anymore. Um, mm -hmm. It's not. Um, and so the fact that I had a group of kids and families that bought into that and accomplished great things. I didn't win any state titles. That's not true. I won a CIF title as a baseball player, but my kids won the games, not me. I, yeah. I haven't tackled anybody in a lot of years. I haven't, I, I can't throw the ball. My arthritis in my arms are so bad. Um, but I had great kids that did great things and, and, and truly, honestly believed in Coach Swift and the relationships that we created. And they believed that relationship and those habits we're going to lead them to a successful life as an adult. Mm -hmm. And it, and it did. Um, and I, I feel blessed to have been a part of that. So. Yeah, that's uh, it's truly special what you had going up there at gold beach and, uh, and that you're still in the community. And it's, it's just, uh, there's a lot that you have to offer still at 61, like you said, and, I'm just appreciative to know you and to have a, a some sort of relationship with you. You know, uh, eventually I'd like to, if, if I'm, I might be going up to Medford in the next month or so, but uh, you know, it's only about three hours you said away from gold. And, and it is, it is without a doubt one of the most beautiful drives you'll ever, ever take. Yeah. So uh, I, I look forward to that, but coach, that's all I have for you today. I, I appreciate you taking the time um, talking about Gold Beach, your family, how you moved up to Gold Beach, Servite in the 70s. Let me, like, can everything. I finish with one thing, what, the yeah. last question? Yeah. I really liked it, and it, it, I took about 45 minutes to think about it. You said, it says, 
What do you want your legacy to be when you retire? Yeah. Here you go. I want a part of my spirit, my teachings, or my love that transcends time and lives forever. The trophy is all gathered dust. But, but, but can that championship spirit live forever through the relationships created over all those years? That, that's, you know, I tell kids all the time, you want to live forever, do something special. It'll right. live forever. My chance to do something special is through my relationships, the spirit in which I do things, and the love I have for my kids, that they take something that Coach Swift gave them and they transfer it to their children, their children in turn, translate it to children. their children. And, and a little bit of me gets that Im immortality. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, the high school football coaches, or not just football coaches, lifelong mentors. And, and it's those, those lessons, those life lessons that you can teach to the student athletes you have, like your daughters, you know, um, who then will have an impact on their daughters. And it's just uh, that trickle-down effect and that impact. Yeah, I just sent my, my eldest daughter – um, the school that she was student teaching at in Austin is looking for a defensive coordinator, linebacker, coach. And I said, hey, FYI. I know a know. guy. <laughs> um, she, uh, she loves the game. I mean, she worked for Coach Helfridge at U of O when she was there. Um, first thing she went did when she went to Texas was go to a football game. Um, she loves it. So, and I, you know, everyone asked me, are you, are you unhappy and never had sons? I go, I got a million sons. Yeah. You yeah. know, I got two daughters that are mine, but I, I got about 1500 sons. And then that's more <laughs> than, that's more than enough for anybody. Exactly. So. All right, coach. I, again, I, I appreciate you taking the time today and coming on and just talking to me. And uh, I look forward to talking with you more about some of the other questions I had, uh, maybe in person. So, uh, Coach, thanks again for, for taking the time today. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you very much. And that concludes Episode 17 with Athletic Director Kevin Swift from Gold Beach, Oregon. Until next time, I'm your host, Nate Williams. Get after it. Uh -huh.